This episode is supported by the Union Creative Agency. Union Creative Agency is a stakeholder-centered design agency focused on infusing creativity, culture, and strategy into communities and organizations. Union Creative Agency works collaboratively with clients, community partners, and stakeholders to understand needs, envision an ideal future, and build a pathway to success. We believe arts and culture are keys to catalyzing better communities, organizations, projects, and endeavors. With successful collaboration as our key driver, we work intimately with our clients, partnering organizations, and stakeholders to create projects designed for impact. Two, three, four. Arts and Culture Summits the Airwaves, this is the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. I am R. Brandon Long, alongside Todd Obendorfer, and we are the Banyan Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. This episode includes an interview with Jake McIntyre of Union Creative, and the initial spark behind Ogden's Nine Rails Creative District. Took us a little while, but we finally got Jake McIntyre on the podcast, and I knew he was a large part of the Nine Rails Creative District, but I didn't realize how integral his initial uh, outreach was until this interview. You've seen that. You've seen the people I hang with. I just I hang with the best. I mean, these are the movers, yeah. the shakers of the town. I didn't know. I didn't know. Every day, I would say he is a godfather of the creative community uh, since. 2013 ish right a clear obviously it's been going on longer than that as a whole but as far as the a uh, little bit more of a focused effort in, yeah. in a particular area i'm so glad we were able to get him in the trailer um this is about two years now i've wanted to officially sit him down we've actually had him on two shows one show he was part of a group of our very first oh, episode right. yeah and then he may have sat in on another one where we were miking a, a group, you know. What I like about today's episode is, uh, you know, 10 years from now when people look back and they say, oh, the Nine Rails Creative District, it's so cool, it's so successful, and this is why it's so great, blah, blah, blah. Well, we get a, we get a peek behind how it started here today, and, and that's with Jake. Yeah, no, it couldn't have gone better. Also, shout out to The Proper Way. They recently got back from Cabo. They keep asking for... D- Our okay. intro music, yeah. Yeah, and so... I love everything that they play, everything that they've given us. They continue to ask for requests. Okay. And so you and I have got to sit down. Okay. We've got to come up with some, some other. Three's For company? me, late 70s movie themes is what oh, I'd, I'd like themes. to go okay. more towards that. Okay. Uh, something like that, Eastbound and Down, is my got it. favorite. I just absolutely love that song. Yeah. But that's right in the groove of the show. That's right in the groove of what they can do. Hot back from Cabo. Why weren't we invited to that? I don't know. That shows yeah. you how we rate. We weren't, we weren't in Cabo, that's for sure. We got to learn a stringed instrument <laughs> is all I'm saying, yeah. All right, this is our interview with uh, Union Creative's Jake McIntyre. That, how'd that sound? That was pretty that good. That was really good. In that fact, nice we got into the red on that one, so that was good. That was okay. strong. You don't even have to pipe that up. What'd you, what'd you open? Oh, Keto's, one of my favorites. 
Yeah, this is the Keto's Amber Ale. Because this time of the year, it's about ambers and browns. Those are my favorite. Not that I would turn what about away a yard anything sale? else. Yard sale would be fine, but that wouldn't be my first pick. Mm. I'd go for something a little bit darker. What do you like? Uh, we're going for the Melvin IPA today. So have you always liked IPAs? Yeah. yeah it's not something you had to sort of grow into? Uh, the first time I tried it, I hated it. Um, no, that's really? spending, what spending yeah. some. I think spending some time in like IPAs Portland, in Oregon. general, or this particular IP. Uh, IPAs in general, yeah. And then spending some time in Portland, Oregon, I think warmed me up. I think for me it was San Diego. So I moved out to San Diego. Not a fan of the hoppy hoppy beers. Uh, in fact, I grew up my in my youth like Rolling Rock beer. Anybody or Zima? Oh, yeah. Like these beers that are barely. barely Zima beers, is not right? a beer. There's a malt beverage. Okay. I think if I remember right, yeah. <laughs> But it just shows you that's about where I was at, right? And then I, I increasingly got a little bit more sophisticated, but I still wasn't into hoppy beers. And so there was Super Dive Bar that I should remember the name of um, in San Diego by the airport. And uh, they only served IPAs on draft. Uh, and so I'll be, fan, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of dive bars. I loved this dive bar in particular. There was a bartender behind the counter it had nothing to do with the fact that she was... Was she cute? She was so cute. <laughs> and she was she was all tattooed. We were talking about tattoos. She was tattooed yeah. out, you know, and she was, she was, yeah, she was swoony. And, uh, and so she educated me about IPAs and, and we... Anything else? Just, <laughs> that's a different episode. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but she educated me kind of across, across the way on IPAs and she was very knowledgeable. But at the same time, I didn't start with like the hoppiest of IPAs. I kind of worked my way into it oh, because... Yeah. For a lot of people, they drink their very first IPA and never touch it again. Like, they don't even go back into it. No, I want to say my first IPA was, a, does Red Rock have like a double, like an elephant, what's the elephant? Elephant, was a great beer. Yeah, was my first one. And I thought, whoa, what is this thing I'm drinking? Yeah. And it took me, but I went full deep into like, what is that, a double or triple IPA? So. But you accepted it right away. A lot of people yeah. just will kind of cast it aside and stick with what they know. Uh, anyway, joining us today in uh, Banyan One, um, and inside uh, Banyan Collective Studios, inside the Monarch. What's your whole series? I love well, you. Yeah, uh, Banyan One, inside the Monarch Building, inside and the Nine Rails Ogden's Creative District. Net, yeah. Nine Rails Creative District, which we we have someone here who can talk knows a little something about the district. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jake McIntyre. So, Jake McIntyre. What's your middle name, Jake? Alex. Jake. Alex. Not Jacob Alexander common mistake jake Jake, alex so your full name is jake just jake jake straight to the point i think that that's probably a good idea uh jake alex mcintyre of union creative agency is joining us today i think that it is about time it has been about a year and a half <laughs> that i've been trying to set this up we've keep very busy i think now is the perfect time i think we're at the right place in uh the story of the nine rose creative district and so you are coming in to give us a little bit of a backstory uh your personal involvement I'll be honest, and I've said this before, you are the reason that I am who I am in the Ogden arts community. I was inspired by what you do. I didn't know what that was well, at that first. Well, that was a bombshell there, right? yeah. Wow. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't know what that was at first, but your level of involvement in all things, right? Um, it was one of these things where how do I get to know more about my community, particularly in the arts? Well, the best way to do that is to I started joining some committees that helped a little bit. I started going to public meetings, open houses, these type of things. And then every time at those meetings, suspiciously, they always ask, 
if you would like to be more involved, yeah, that, that's give me your information slope. and we would love, <laughs> it is a slippery slope, but it's a slope that I never, I never considered really starting until I met you. And so this was, this was how long ago now? I mean, this is some time ago, like a couple probably, of years ago, probably 2016, something like that. Yeah. Something and like so, that. um, I don't know exactly how to tackle this. And so we're going to go back towards you the beginning. You know what this is, Todd? You know those documentaries and like they show you the end result? Like we have the end result. We have Jake McIntyre in the Ban- Banyan one in the middle of the Nine Rails uh, creative district here. We need to re... And then they go back. How did it all begin? <laughs> yeah, back to the beginning. But the beginning yeah. was more than a couple of years ago. See, my yeah. beginning would be back a couple of years and then we'd probably say a little, but then we'd have to go back even further than that. And so let's talk about when you became involved or when you became interested in creating something interesting in this part of town. Uh, so that probably takes us back to 2013. Um, oh, I was in Portland, Oregon, going to graduate school. Uh working on a master's of fine arts in collaborative design um, at the Pacific Northwest College of Art. Um, that sounds so fancy. What's collaborative design? Uh, collaborative design is basically creative problem solving. Uh, so they bring a bunch of creative people together, uh, mostly artists, um, but through their practice in that program, we don't make art, we solve problems. Um, and sometimes art is the conduit to which to do that. But really the program found that artists approach problem solving in a really different way than other people and so that artists have this unique ability to solve uh unsolvable or what are called wicked problems um so think of things like climate change um our healthcare system these things that are so complex that they're essentially unsolvable um so this program is focused on bringing together creative people to try to solve these unsolvable problems um and my emphasis in that program uh almost immediately uh became urban theory and understanding the way that communities change over time that was this sort of problem or this opportunity that i was interested in why why was that interesting to you um i think for for a number of reasons um but one my undergraduate work was really focused on art in a traditional sense um I, i did a sculpture degree and through that work, I started to realize that art had this really interesting ability to connect people and to start conversations, um, to sort of blur the lines between past, present, and future, to blur the lines between cultures, between ideas, between identities. Um, And that seemed to map in this really interesting way to the way that communities were built. Uh, And so I, I gained that fascination actually outside of the idea of Ogden, just in general, like how how do communities change over time? Um, and what is the role of the arts in that equation? Um, and through that process, I started researching communities around the, around the United States, uh, mostly like mid-sized American cities. That sort of seemed like a, an area or a size of community that I was interested in. And being from Ogden, I knew a little bit about what had been going on in Ogden, some of the, the kind of growth and transformation the community was going through. So. Uh, I kind of plugged that into my process and started thinking about Ogden. And it was probably only two or three months into my program that I got really excited about some of the things that were happening in Ogden. It's funny that moving out of the state made me think differently about this community, but uh, got really excited about some of the opportunities and, and growth that was happening here. Not sort of growth for the sake of growth, but 
it seemed like there was some great uh, conversations happening about growth in a different way in this community and, and growth in a way that could be more democratized. Uh, and that was something I was gaining really interest, a big interest in. So um, to kind of jump ahead a little bit, spent a few years um, doing that research in kind of an academic sense. And through that process, I worked on trying to build relationships with the city. Despite the fact that I was from here, I had no actual connection to the city. Um, who, was the, who was the first person you reached out, reached out to? Um, so the city used to have a much worse website than it does now. <laughs> we won't we won't place judgment on the current website. Which we'll is say the other one was this worse. Is the only one I know, but yeah. yeah. So the website was really bad, yeah. um, and I didn't have a connection. But one of the great assets for me about the the old website was that there was uh, a contact us area where you could just do a drop down to any person that worked for the city. <laughs> um, so it said their name and their title and you could send them an email. So I stroll, I kind of scrolled through that, found any person that had a title that seemed remotely like I might want to talk to them. And I sent them an email explaining my interest, wanting to talk to them, wanting to learn more. I probably sent 30 or 40 emails, um, to various people around Ogden and, some person in city planning um, responded to me. And the next time I was out in Ogden, I think for a Christmas break, I got a meeting with him and he showed me around Ogden. Um, and I remember being introduced to some other people in the city planning office and they all joked because they had all gotten emails from me. I'm like, oh yeah, we, we know who you are. We know you. Um, we know. And so anyway, that grew that grew into- um, a, city, a city planning groupie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's apparently what I There's was. There's really only one. It's like... um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It apparently, was me. Um, and anyway, that that ended up one relationship led to the next, to the next, to the next, and um, was able to connect with the city's uh, new arts kit coordinator um, at the time, Diane Stern, and then um, the economic development department, um, primarily with Sarah Mies, and, and presented my ideas about the ways that I thought the arts could help the development of Ogden in this really sustainable and meaningful way that, that looked different than how communities typically grow. Um, and I guess I sold them on it and, um, they let me keep hanging around. I still lived in Portland, was still going to graduate school. Um, but like we were doing conference calls probably a couple of times a week. I was just trying to figure out how I could be involved. What was my place? What role could I play? Um, and we ended up writing a national endowment for the arts grant. And we were awarded that right after I finished graduate school. Did you write that or did you? Um, I wrote it in partnership with Sarah and Diane. Okay. So the three of us wrote it. Uh, we got $50,000 to develop at that time an arts hub. So we were thinking really specifically about a campus where the arts could thrive. And it was in this neighborhood, but it was much narrower geography. Um, and I was thinking that I would contribute uh, a kind of co-working and maker space to that equation. But my larger interest interest was really in the development of that. And did you have project. any idea at the time of um, Argo House and Monarch and these other things that were going on in this same neighborhood? Yeah, so uh, the nature of, I think, the way that my brain works and the nature of the way that my my graduate training is, is you see everything as interconnected and you really start to develop these kind of long-term visions of change. Um, and so everything that I do, even today, it's it's one step towards a larger or greater goal. Uh, and so I always had visions of, you know, what are some small things that I can contribute, but being really thoughtful about how do those small contributions lead to larger contributions. So I think um, while I couldn't anticipate the specifics of something like the Monarch or the Argo House, um, or even like, you know, the library getting renovated or, or Cuppa or all these small 
and big changes that we've seen, um, they're absolutely kind of part of, I think, the larger vision that I was at least hoping to be able to form. I'm glad we got you on board because I can see somebody with that sort of observational skills and the connection, the idea of, you know, making all these connections. It could go in the way of good or some sort of like uh, supervillain or what's uh, like a James Bond supervillain that's just plotting the other side, right? Probably some of the things that were already going on in Ogden. Like Rock. Vegas style, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. a little different from maybe your vision. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And so you're still working at this point in Portland. Um, when did you start wrapping things up and heading back to Ogden? Um, I packed up right after graduation, moved back here. And so um, that would have been when? 2015. Okay. Uh, so moved back to Ogden with the intent of buying a house here. Um, and we did that. We bought a house just maybe two blocks outside of the creative district. Um, so right in this general area, it was really important to us to kind of invest in this community and, and be part of this neighborhood um, in a really personal way. And uh, so yeah, I came back like some, I guess early summer of, of 2015 with the full extent of not just continuing to grow the arts community, but um, also start a kind of creative co-working space. And that kind of pretty quickly fell out from under me um, for a number of reasons. Um, but it left me with... I was going to say how, why? But um, a number of reasons. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't need to go into all yeah. the specifics, but um, I think the, the essence there was it just really wasn't the right opportunity at the right time. I think it would actually make a lot more sense now than it would mm. have then. And it, it just was, it was a lot of work without a lot of return in a way. And so, you know, I put that's, that, that's the Banyan Collective slogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of work without a lot of return. That is, that's good. <laughs> you know what? I feel joyful like, returns. I feel like the return is self-satisfaction. It's, it's yeah, warm hugs. I warm. I'm that's, okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Monetary side is a little. Eh, it's but, questionable. Yeah. I think the timing's right right now. I think that's what. Yeah. The, yeah. I think that's, that's what, what it is. We were just for. ahead of our time. That's yeah, what it was. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that that kind of didn't work out. But through that process, uh, I was able to to start doing some freelance consulting work, which is stuff I had been doing in Oregon, and was able to create Ogden City's first master plan for arts and culture. Uh, and then that that was so much fun. I really enjoyed that process, uh, and I decided that I should could, should start a, a kind of a full time design consultancy focused on that type of work, um, not just for Ogden but for beyond. And, so that's, that's kind of brings us to today. Yeah, that's what you have today. That's what you do now as a full time consultancy Correct. thing. Yeah, thing. and I tell I tell So people ask all the time, yeah, what does Jake McIntyre do? I don't know. We gotta you gotta talk to Jake. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was a rule that that I set with yeah. this interview, right? I don't have to explain no, what I do. Um, <laughs> but no, we can we can take a stab at it. We can see where it goes. I do know that you consult. I know that um, you use um, post its. I do use a lot of post-its. Oh my gosh, all the post-its. Do you have stock? I should. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they all do represent different things. (laughs) I've been to yours. I've been under your uh, command on some of these meetings, and and they're brilliant, but they do involve post-it notes. They involve uh, large rolls of paper. They do. Um, I think it helps with that overall. Markers. There's often often Play-Doh. Yeah, Play-Doh. If I remember right, maybe some like... Some little snacks. There's got to yeah, be some, like some canned like treats some so, uh, chocolates or something. Jake, how, how did you, when did you, because this takes a lot of self, like, I know what I, you know how people like don't know what they want to do? Like, you're very artistic minded to go into the planning and city planning. Like, how did you, when did you in high school think, you know, when I go to college, 
I want to go into this, or did you just stumble into it? Because that is a as it's a very specific program it of is. study. And as yeah. a creative, you you unfortunately creatives bounce around until they find their thing that they really want to do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So it wasn't on my radar until I got to graduate school. Um, I. Uh, in undergrad, as I mentioned, I, I got a degree in sculpture from the University of Utah, but I also got a minor in business administration. And at the time, I thought that was uh, a smart decision to help me understand how to run my kind of artistic practice as a business. Um, but I ended up actually being really fascinated by kind of the organizational side of businesses. Um, and that dovetailed really nicely with some of the things I was getting interested in in the latter part of my undergraduate studies, which was a thinking about more about this idea of connection through the arts and the way that arts connected to kind of broader society. Uh, and then I was applying to, to random graduate schools had didn't really know where I was going with that, but I thought more in a kind of a studio art direction. And I found this collaborative design program out of Portland that was brand new. It was uh, at the time only in its second year. And it just, there was no question in my mind. As soon as I saw the program, it was like, yep, this is where we're going. This is what I'm going to do. This is perfect. I don't know what I'm going to study yet. I don't know what I'm going to think about. Um, but for whatever reason, this program's right. And um, it really only took, you know, maybe two months into that program to, for whatever reason, I just kind of found clarity around what, what I can uniquely contribute. Yeah. And your mind is a bit of a anomaly. I mean, artists creatives are known to be infamously not good at business so uh where you're attracted to business and then also a deeper philosophical look at how arts affects communities um maybe that's more closer to a creative side but those those three strengths are unique yeah thanks yeah and so while you were in the program i'm assuming case studies of other cities um, because when you come into Ogden, or actually you're working remotely, putting together that first, um, was it that first master plan? First uh, NEA grant was kind of probably one of the biggest. Was that the uh, Our Town? Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, and so going into that, how much were you prepared specifically? Like how closely what was that related to your program? Uh, it was really close. Uh, my graduate thesis was essentially about Ogden. Um, oh wow! And so. Yeah, I should probably dig that up someday. That's think, awesome. See what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my graduate thesis was specifically about the transformation of not just cities in general, but really specifically Ogden and how some of what we're experiencing in this community might be related to other places outside of this. But I was really interested in taking kind of a deep dive into the community of Ogden from an academic perspective, uh, which was a, a really fun exercise in a way um, and I was able to kind of develop this this theory which still guides me in all my work today which is that uh, as communities change over time the more people that are involved in that transformation the better the end result works for those people um, so I got really interested in this idea of displacement and gentrification that happens through arts typically. Um, I mean, the arts are, are unfortunately one of the most powerful tools for gentrification. Um, and I knew that that was a, a sticky area that I was going to have to deal with if I wanted to enter into this work. And that was something that was really important to me is that uh, as I worked, whether it was in Ogden or elsewhere, that my work wasn't about um, increasing property values. It wasn't about 
um, transitioning the type of people that live in a community, but really was more about increasing quality of life and increasing vibrancy um, and including as many people that currently live in the community. So Austin so accepted that, but that, is that a hard sell? Because don't most municipalities want to see the money? the bottom line of the tax revenue and things? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a it is a really hard sale in a lot of ways, um, and I think that was partly what attracted me to Ogden, um, was there is a lot of interest in this idea of um, kind of growth for a greater good and um, a more mindful approach to thinking about how do we develop our communities um, and how do we not just create impact for me, but how do we connect create impact for sort of us and us in the long term. So um, I've talked about before in, in other capacities um, that my work is really, I think, beyond my lifespan. Um, the work that I'm interested in is not about how do I uh, increase a situation or better a situation that I might engage with, but more is about how do we build this community to be more sustainable, more vibrant, healthier, uh, for the long term that might be several generations from now but i think these processes are really slow um, and these small actions that we take on a day-to-day -day basis i think stack up to make really big change over time well i think that's admirable and i think that's something that particularly and utah is my home um, and i do know that often um, decisions are made that are very short term they, they're within these next couple of years you know or right now mm -hmm. if things are going good now then that's all we really kind of care about, right? Yeah. And so the fact that you've been able to not only stay true, but it's shaped everything that you've done is admirable. And I'm sure that you've probably come to more of a place through experience that isn't just um, in some sort of utopian fairyland, right? Um, Absolutely. And reality of working with the city. Yeah, those, you know? those two things can butt up against each other sometimes, but... Uh... You know, I, I do my best to remind myself that these are, are long-term ambitions that they can't, you know, the kinds of changes that I'm thinking about can't happen in a, in a quick way. Um, and so uh, being a, a former, like, maker, I have this instinct to want to see instant gratification, um, yes. and I've had to really train myself to work away from that, but I, I have to find ways to find instant gratification as well, um, thinking about things like, the painted crosswalks project or the Rachel Pohl mural that is now where um, platforms is like some of those kind of projects that I helped instigate here early on. Um, those are kind of ways of me finding a more instant gratification um, ways of me being able to kind of test some of the theories that I have ways of me being able to see an idea through because I, I really do believe that most of what I'm thinking about is stuff that I might not ever see. Um, so you've got to find that balance. Oh, absolutely true. Um, kind of talk to us how that Rachel, uh, what's your last name again? Rachel Pohl. 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 I always mispronounce your name. Uh, mural came together. Um, so in this, you know, coming fresh out of school, um, still in academic mode, which is something I maybe should get back to a little bit more. Um, but uh, really thinking in this kind of heady perspective of what is the the site within this community or within this specific neighborhood that might have uh, the most impact, right? How can we sort of theorize based on all the available spaces, which place has the most impact? And for a number of reasons, um, I, I felt like that, that site at corner of 25th and Adams had a lot of really interesting qualities that would enable us to not just put some paint on a wall, but it would actually enable us to rally a community together 
and would enable us to build some momentum around something. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of murals that have happened in nine rails. Um, but I think that that one in particular catalyzed some really interesting action. And that was the goal. Um, so it, it kind of started out with this idea of wanting a mural on that specific site, site, um, reached out to the property owner, Thane Fisher, who also, um, developed the Monarch and, and he was open to it. Uh, I just had to find the money. Um, you know, he was willing to let the space be used. Um, I, I reached out to a lot of artists and, and unfortunately kind of struggled to find an artist who was ready to take on that kind of project. And, um, it actually happened that like and lo locally local artists. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, at the time, and I think right now it's easy for us to think about how vibrant our arts community is. Um, but I think back even just to, you know, that was, I guess, 2015, um, our arts community was a lot more segmented at that time. So it was really hard to find emerging and up and coming artists. And I knew of a few and, and they weren't interested in the opportunity. Um, and, and she's dope too, um, actually had a show with an artist they had worked with Rachel Pohl, um, at the parlor. Those of you might, re some of you might remember the parlor. The parlor's for sale right the now. The parlor is for sale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got a nice history upstairs. Yeah. 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 Um, it's beautiful space. Um, but Rachel Pohl, as uh, an artist based out of Montana. Uh, anyway, she had a show there. Uh, I loved her work. I felt really connected to it. I felt like it was the right opportunity. I approached her, um, and I think you know her first response was no. I've never done a mural, so I pushed a little bit. And I think she had said the largest mural or largest painting she'd ever done was about like twenty four by thirty six inches. Yeah, um, that's a step up. So you know, wow. for context, this mural is over 900 square feet of That's painted right. space um but for whatever reason i talked her into it and she came and did it and did an awesome job and um now i think we have kind of a, a little bit of a rallying point in the community around that space and why do you think this is kind of a follow-up to that why do you think after four years that that mural in let's be honest in this in this neighborhood has virtually remained untouched i mean i think that speaks volumes to all the decisions that came after and everything that's happening now yeah i mean i think just being on that site every day, um, even to like, you know, weed whacking the site and uh, priming the wall and everything, there were so many community members, not not like the active community members, but I'm talking about the real people that live in the community, right? Like real people walking around the neighborhood who came up and talked to us, offered to help, offered um support in some way whether that was contribution of time contribution of supplies contribution of popsicles it was the middle of july um or just like kind words um there were so many people that were really excited about that i think we ended up with well over 100 volunteers on that project and i would say a, a large number of those were were like people that lived within probably two blocks of that site and, the, and those who aren't from ogden from utah uh, Todd, sort of what you're referring to is the area where the where this mural went in was is not the best area um, or or it's near uh, like a low income place. And so and you're talking you're speaking more of like it hasn't been tagged. It hasn't been yeah. destroyed. It hasn't been yeah, uh, messed have, with. It's been yep, respected. They've taken some yeah. ownership of it. And yeah. uh, and sometimes just getting it's that whole idea of getting into the neighborhood before the neighborhood starts to really kind of take on to that next step yeah and i think just being really open to partnership and collaboration with not just you know 
sort of quote unquote community partners, but um, as I said, the real people that live in a community, right? The people that walk by that site every day and not excluding them from that process, but inviting them in, right? Handing them a paintbrush um, and letting them contribute to something. Um, I remember specifically with that mural, um, if you look at the kind of the west wall, there's a, a purple heart um, that's painted on the mural that doesn't totally contextually or aesthetically fit with the design um but it was a moment where this woman that was walking by from the neighborhood wanted to contribute and, and that's what she felt like she wanted to contribute and um rachel was really good about letting that happen and, and that's still a a part of that mural today um and it was you know i think just giving that flexibility sometimes i think in this kind of work people can approach it as you know i'm the expert this is something that i've have thought a lot about this is something that I do for a living so I'm going to bring my expertise in and everybody else must follow and I think that's just absolutely the wrong way to go about it I think we all have ideas but we have so much more to learn from the people that actually live in a neighborhood than I think most people give credit for uh, so the, I would point out that as one of those you know extremely important steps in the whole process is that mural right um, what else do you see as some other of those hurdles slash, you know, victories over the last several years and ones that might be going on right now. Yeah. So I think really big wins that we had. Um, Cuppa for me is actually a, a great win um, or a great step in the right direction. Being able to have this space that is designed as a cafe for creatives is, is absolutely wonderful. Um, I think that the Argo house uh, is an important step in the right direction absolutely um for those of you that don't know the argo house is kind of a, a creative workspace focused on um providing office space and event space for for creatives um, mostly sort of like cleaner creatives in a way than than might fit down at the monarch um so a lot of like kind of graphic design fashion design writing um photography and then we don't need to get into what I do, right? Cleaner, um, cleaner, clean, cleaner, cleaner. I like cleaner, this term, cleaner, cleaner. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that that insinuates that Todd and I are not so clean. <laughs> not so clean. <laughs> well, not I mean, I've clean. actually outright called you a dirty creative. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, I it's you know you can't you can't overlook the monarch. The monarch is such a massive step in the right direction. Um, it embodies this idea of collaboration and, and partnership and um, you know it, both the Argo House and the Monarch do something that I've felt like has needed to happen for a long time which is give a physical gathering space and a visualization of our creative community um, I think our creative community is so much bigger than we realize that it is um, you know it, it blows my mind that I've been this active in this work since let's let's say 2013 and no kidding, at least every two or so months I meet some new person in the creative community here that's an awesome artist, awesome designer, has maybe just moved here, maybe has been here for a long time, and is trying to find their place. And so I think things like the Monarch and the Argo House help to codify us as a community and, and give us some rallying points. I'll, I'll promote us a little bit. I mean, when we started Van Sessions, I Absolutely. had no idea there were that many musicians in Ogden. And they just keep coming. And we've been doing this for two to three years now. And it's like we keep getting new artists from four years, four, four years. years now. And we keep getting these local artists. And I just thought, I think to myself, how how would anybody know that these artists are even here? Like, no, I nobody even knows. And so at least uh, 
if you if you go to every bar and every corner and every every night categorize yeah. all of them yeah. You'll find them all. yeah but then even yeah. then you're still gonna miss some right yes, and i exactly. think that's what's incredible about some of the programs that are happening right now uh like fan sessions that that really help to give an identity to us as a community um and i think the creative community here in ogden you know we still have fractures we still have disconnects we still have different groups that are connected with different groups but when we compare it to where we were just a few years ago i think we're moving in such a wonderful direction um i think we uplift each other in such a great way uh and so it's it's pretty amazing to have kind of watched this transformation and um been able to i feel like maybe kickstart it a little bit or catalyze it a little bit and then uh sort of watch people take hold of what that means i mean there's so much of what's happening in this neighborhood that I've had nothing to do with. And, and that's probably like the most exciting thing for me is seeing all the awesome things that everybody else is doing. Um, but for the record, what for the record, for the record, uh, cause now I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what was your role in the nine rails creative district? I mean, what, how, how much of that will credit you in the, in, in will history look back and say, well, if it wasn't for Jake, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, I hope I've played an important role in that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that people like Sarah Mees at Ogden City deserve every bit as much credit. Um, you know, I think maybe it was a vision that I had, but without other people like like Sarah and, and like Diane at, at Ogden City getting bought into this early and doing what they could from sort of the city government perspective, um, like we wouldn't be where we are today. And, and then without um, private business owners, without property developers, without community members all kind of coming together around this idea and getting excited about it, then none of it would, would really matter. But so. who started the idea? I mean, I hope I hope there, there's something from me there. Yeah. That's right. And then is Ogden a, a, a playground where you can look at and look at how it worked and then take what's happening here to larger cities or even um, states? You know, I think while none of this is about that, um, I think there's absolutely some really great lessons that other places can learn from what we're doing. Um, and, and part of what I do through Union Creative Agency is, is hopefully try to spread some of that message. Um, I think that what we've done here is actually incredibly unique. Um, we've approached this creative district in in a very different way than most place, places have. And when I when I work around the state, I hear from people all over the place that are just enamored with kind of what's happening in the Ogden creative community. And I think what people are drawn to is that it there's this sort of balance between something that is kind of intentionally orchestrated and allows space for grassroots development um, and grassroots growth. And that's that's absolutely um, the vision of what I think makes a, a good community. Um, I don't think things work when they're exclusively grassroots, and I don't think things work when they're exclusively top-down. I think you need a really healthy balance there. And um, for a lot of reasons, we've been able to find that here. And that, unfortunately, is a really hard thing to replicate in other places. Uh, so you know we can take lessons we can we can learn things from ogden and try to pass them along to other communities but there's there's a reason why i moved back to ogden and didn't move to somewhere else um, and you were in portland which is you know yeah i mean town. there was certainly 
I would say significantly more opportunity for what I wanted to do um, in in Portland. Um, and there was a lot more just kind of general directions that I could take things, but uh, that didn't seem to be important. What seemed to be important is thinking about how could I come back to Ogden um, and how could I help to contribute in some really positive way. So what can the, what can the artists and the creatives in Ogden do better? I think pushing themselves to just get their work out there more and more uh, and looking, not just looking for, but taking opportunities when those opportunities arise. Um, I think that it's really easy to be intimidated by things you feel like you don't know. Um, you know, we joked before we kind of started talking today that um, the reason why I do what I do is because I made it all up. Um, and I, I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I feel like a lot of times... You're the creative and Banyan are very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we're none of us, none of us are doing. We have no plans. Yeah, yeah. None of us are doing what we're doing because um, someone like laid a path out for us, right? Well, um, is, and that's and I think our creatives could, becoming could, more evident in arts in general. In other words, the music industry used to have a path; it doesn't anymore. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, being an artist, that's. I was thinking about this the other day. It's almost the bravest most boldest thing you could go into as a profession because you literally have to lay out your own structure for how to become successful and make money at it absolutely there's no it's changing so much where there used to be used to be able to just go get be an actor or whatever like mm -hmm. you, anything you want to do there's there's just it just changes so much now that absolutely there's no direct line yeah and I, I think that's an interesting challenge for people um i teach at weber state and that's a, a kind of a message i try to share to my students is that there's absolutely real job opportunities coming out of the arts coming out of having a creative skill set i would argue that creativity is the most important kind of attribute that you can have as a human um as we look forward into our, our cultures and our societies but the challenge there is there's no answers to any of it. Um, you have to be willing to hustle. You have to be willing to trust your yourself. And, and that's really hard for a lot of creatives, but you have to be able to trust yourself that you know what you're doing, even when you don't know what you're doing, right? And you have to be able to kind of sell your idea and do your absolute best to make that idea happen. Um, and so there's a lot of really talented creative people in Ogden who I feel like need to just trust themselves to be okay with not knowing what they're doing and and take that next step and um, i think we'll see a lot of amazing things continue to happen and one thing that i noticed too is that uh and also working with art students every day is the idea of uh, being inspired is everything right and uh being inspired on your own w w within your own little bubble in the confines that's difficult enough as it is and so it's it's sharing that inspiration with the rest of the community with our other artists I think that uh, the more of the artist community as, as, it, as it grows in it's essentially every direction here in Ogden, I think one of the best things artists can do is just continue to get better, really. And I don't know the, the best way to say this is just, I mean, it involves specifically what you do, but also just sharing that level of wanting to, I was to be say, better and Todd do better every day. to step up. 
They want us to yeah take what they're doing well and do it better. Yeah, and I would I would echo that, which is not a judgment of no, that's not like a lack, right? But that means that creativity is something that you should take seriously. Um, It's something you should continue to push yourself in, and that anybody thinks they've that they've solved it, I think is is sort of just not open to to really what's happening. So, um, you know, I don't really care what you've accomplished or what you've done. Um, You've you've got room to push. Um, and I try to do that for myself always. I try to do that with the people that I work with. Um, I think we all have a lot of room to, to continue to learn and to continue and explore. Um, and I'd love to see our creative community just continue to push in that way, um, to continue to find new opportunities and to continue to really get out in the, the front of the community. I think if we look at Ogden 10 years from now, um, I suspect we can check back on this, but I suspect that the creatives will really be the leaders of this community and, and that creativity will be at the forefront for what this community is known for. And can you, can you help with that through union creative? Like this is your plug time. So you know, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? If people want to listen to this podcast, like, well, that's a, Jake's a great guy. Let's let's get involved. What can Union Creative do for creatives and artists? Yeah, or so, businesses. Or businesses. Or businesses. Yeah. yeah, so so locally, um, a lot of the work is really focused on, and when I say locally, I mean Ogden, um, focused on building up our, our kind of sector as a whole. Um, so it's more work at the kind of the high level than on the one-on-one level. But um, I'm always supportive of and always willing to grab coffee or whatever with, with a creative that's um, – at a point where they feel like they need to take that leap. Um, I'm always happy to do that. Always help, happy to help uplift people, um, connect them to opportunities. We have an incredible amount of opportunities in Ogden to help creatives thrive. And I'm all, you know, I love being able to help people get into that. Um, you know, the work that union creative agency does hopefully continues to, um, focus in Ogden and continues to grow in Ogden. Um, but we also do a lot of work throughout the state and really are thinking about how do we help to spread some of this great energy that we've built in Ogden, um, throughout other parts of the state as well. So, um, you know, because I think as Ogden grows and as the rest of the Wasatch front and back for now, um, grows from a creativity standpoint and arts and culture standpoint, um, it just looks better for all of us. And, um, yeah, that's really what it's focused on in a way. I like that you pointed out the idea of meeting with anybody. And I think that that's one of the things that we can all do. Um, I remember a time, well, right now I can't really remember a time when I didn't have um, a full calendar and meetings and committees and all these things. But uh, but there's always time for me to fit 30 minutes or an hour onto my calendar to meet somebody at the Kappa or on campus or you know, any or in the trailer, right uh, here in the studio, uh, to just kind of talk about getting more involved. And these are the questions that do come up every now and again. I love that it's coming up. I, I would like for it to come up even more often, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because people are so approachable. Uh, I used to say this, and I, it still applies in the outdoor community, right? Um, in that world, somebody who has never done a certain activity ever, right? Maybe they're new to the area, or maybe they are of a certain age and they're just at this point embarrassed that they can't do these things or whatever it is, is that that community, the art community are so similar in the fact that they're so inviting mm-hmm. to sharing what they know or to sharing the gear that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven knows I, I don't buy gear because well, first I'll be honest. Cause well, I'm brand You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But meaning that the community, um, unless it's something I do every day, it's one of those sort of shared community environments, right? Down to the, you know, the gear on their back, essentially. And so to answer your question that you gave earlier, what can people do? I think reaching out of that little shell, getting a little bit more involved, being, you know, now's a chance to get really involved. But even if you went to the, an occasional open house, right? Yeah. Uh, th- this was one of the reasons why I started to go to a few of those meetings back when is because it wasn't necessarily that fear of missing out on something, but it was that I don't know what's happening, right? The, all this information isn't making it to the paper. If I get to all the articles in the paper, right? Yeah. Um, but most all of this information is out there. I don't even think you have to dig. You just got to ask around a you little sort bit. You just got to be open to it. Um, and just, just one kind of quick thing on that idea of, of finding people to support you and finding people to uh, to talk to about that kind of work as you're wanting to expand or wanting to grow what you do. I think one of the, the things I've tried to do for myself when I've been at those points is uh, try to email a new person every single day and tell them who you are and tell them why you're interested in talking with them. Um, this is something I've done a few at a few points uh, in my life over several months at a time. And you send a lot of emails and you get a lot of not replies or rather you don't get a lot of replies would be the proper way to say that. Um, but those people who do reply could really end up changing things for you in an unexpected way. You got to um, put yourself out there. You got to put yourself out there. You got to hustle. We talk a lot about in the arts and creative industry about um, we got to reach we got to reach the people. How do we reach the people? How do we reach the people? And then the flip side of that is as an artist and a creative, you need to reach out. Mm-hmm. You got to be doing the reaching. Yeah. They're not going to find you. Nope. Yeah. Well, this is fun. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. We could keep this going forever. Um, any last thoughts? Oh, I don't know. Well, he's got a million, yeah. you know, it's Yeti mating season in Portland, outside uh, of Portland. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is this a thing? I saw, is this a, yeah. <laughs> really, <it's> a, <laughs> I posted about it. Yeah. Must How long thing. did you live up there? Uh, a little over two years. So did you really it was a like it there? Sin. Yeah, we liked it a lot. I have spent some time up in Seattle, but I have spent only weekend, if that, down in Portland. But it's a, uh, it's an inspirational place to go as well. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, the connection to nature is is something that's pretty amazing and was different than here. So I, I liked that. Um, you know, and the weather. Most people hate the weather. I actually loved the weather. Mm. Um, coming from. Utah winters where you kind of don't see the sun, right? Little air quality mm-hmm. plug. It, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't noticeably different to live in a kind of a dreary environment, um, where I think most people kind of dreaded that. So the the winters didn't didn't bother us as much as I think they do most people who oh, live there. Thank you for saying that. Um, this was something I was going to ask earlier. The importance of reaching outside of your home, right? Um, for somebody who does that, somebody who works outside of your home, zip code area, you know, um, and then also for artists, for, I mean, we're kind of talking about creative, so we can kind of stay in that category. The importance of, of reaching outside of that area for inspiration, the idea of, you know, bringing them back here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of having like exchanges between cities and things. Absolutely. What's it mean to you when you visit? an inspirational location. I know every now and then you take these little trips to creative district areas. Yeah. Um, we try to do about one a year. Um, we'll go visit a new creative district, um, or, or kind of place that's really known for, for creativity. I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, I think that to pretend that we have all the solutions here is, you know, a big oversight. Um, and then that doesn't mean that you take 
ideas from elsewhere and replicate them. But there's so much that we can learn from places that are further along in our their process of developing their creative community, um, both good and bad. Uh, oh, absolutely. I yeah. actually find that as I visit other creative districts around the country, I'm often returning really excited about what we're doing. Um, I'm really excited about how we're doing something different. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard feedback that what we're doing in Ogden isn't how X creative district happens and so happened and so then for it must not be correct. And, um, you know, my response to that is that's actually really intentional. Um, we don't want to mimic what other people have done um, because I would argue that nobody has done a, a correct creative district. And I'm not saying that we're doing that, but I'm saying that we are pushing the boundaries of what that looks like a little bit um, and so sometimes when I'm visiting places it's it is for inspiration but it's also for cautionary tales um, it's thinking about what did they overlook what were the unintended consequences that they sort of made happen that we can be thinking about now to avoid is there anything happening right now we should know about anything you can disclose anything behind the scenes are we kind of in that place um, where we have big things coming What's what's going on right now in the nine rest district? Creative district. Yeah. Um, hopefully, some big city stuff. Big city meaning large projects from Ogden City. Um, we'll see where that all shakes out. But you know, we have a bus rapid transit line that will connect the the downtown transit hub where the front runner is up to Weber State, um, and that is going to run right through the creative district, uh, which is which is an incredible opportunity for us as a community. Um, so let's talk about that just for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that uh, BRT because a lot of people don't even, A, know what that is exactly. Bus rapid transit, in yep. case I forgot to say. And the there's a lot of BRT. It took, actually, I think my second meeting before it's like, um, guys, what, what's, what's the what's BRT, a BRT? for you? Um, and then this was a long time coming. And then the decision, and a lot of these decisions with this BRT in particular, let's be honest, kind of outside of Ogden's hands. Yep. Right. It's yep. a little bit bigger decision. This is more of a Utah decision. But they've landed on a, this big, fancy, um, fast electric bus. Yeah. Right? Yeah, as far as I understand it. Um, that's the word. That's quicker than the buses we have now. Yep. Dedicated lane, I think, through much of it. Um, it's going to take us from the train, so from down, to, down in the station to Weber to... Eventually to the hospital, right? McKay McKay as well, I believe, yeah. Um, and because of that, a lot of, um, well, let's just be honest. I mean, there's going to be a lot of construction uh, once that starts between those two areas. Essentially, it's going to go, which street is that right in front of it? What What's that What's that cut up? Is that 22nd? Uh, yeah, I think it comes up 23rd, 23rd. actually, um, if I remember right, and then cuts across Washington Boulevard, then we'll cut up 25th Street. Um, and work its way to Harrison. And then I heard for the first time, I think it was a meeting last night, as far as the stops go. So we're going to have a stop. Um, what's the one down? To, it's going to be in front of the Egyptian. The Egyptian Theater. And it's going to be a center lane stop. So if you can envision that. Think and like so, tracks. Like tracks, tracks in Salt Lake. Yeah. And so essentially the bus is going in each direction. You'll yeah. hop on that direction. And then there's going to be another stop closest to us here at the Monarch by the library. Correct. And then I think the next one's further up. It, Who knows? Yeah. It's outside of the district. I We're like not it. concerned yeah. about it. <laughs> I like it. And so this massive project um, obviously is putting certain things on hold slash it is this intricate puzzle of laying it out everything, right? Yeah. And this is where some of those short-term frustrations have to be sacrificed for that long-term goal. Absolutely. 
And uh, I think when this is all said and done, I think that we'll be all, you know, I'll be happy with it. I mean, yeah. it it may not be maybe your ideal choice. I know, it, you know, that pipe dream years ago was to bring back those old trolleys and things like that yep. and how amazing that would have been. But I think that these are going to be top of the line. These are the same ones I think they did down in Orem, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Which was a successful, massive project. And so if they can even replicate goodness, that's always good. Yeah. Okay, so we have that project, and that's coming up within time frame. Yeah, I would probably, we're probably going to get in trouble I think for talking say, about all of this. It's going to You know, I think. Sooner or later. Some, sometime. Let's talk about a couple years. How yeah. about? That sounds vague. I think um, so. I've got nothing to do with it. No control of it. Nope. So, so what other projects we got going on? Um, other projects uh, that are related in a way, we've got a new uh, arts plaza that's going to be happening um, across the street from the Monarch, across Ogden Avenue to the west. We, kind of we should mention, though, the timeline on that because I yep. the expectation for people who may not be familiar with the project think that it will be going in this spring. They're going to solve the solve whatever this whole this pit is here across and that it'll be fixed this spring that's not the case right this might take a few seasons maybe? I, I could i would suspect that we're going to be looking at a, a little bit of a time ahead of us um i think there's still some unknown about that it kind of depends on which direction the city decides to take if they want to build something permanent from the get-go or if they want to do something temporary um that then helps lead to something more permanent um, if they do something more temporary, we could see something more immediately. But um, in terms of long-term vision, I think we're probably looking at a couple years out. Um, and then we're also looking at a, a plaza space in front of the the corner kind of informational kiosk at 25th and Washington, which will be a cool space. In general, I'm not going to quote the exact number because I'll be wrong, but um, Ogden City... We throw out wrong numbers oh, all Oh, okay. The time. So I'm going to give yeah. a specific number without <laughs> checking it. Um, Ogden City this year allocated, let's just call it $400. Hundred and sixty-one thousand three hundred and twenty-four dollars um, oh, to to public art in the community, um, which is definitely a wrong number, but it's somewhere in the several hundred thousand dollar. Um, I think about four to five hundred thousand dollars in public art got uh, set aside this year. So we're going to see um, some really massive improvements in our public arts uh, kind of collection. Um, we've done a really good job in uh, doing some incredible murals throughout our community, um, but that's sort of where it stopped. We've got a few other isolated pieces, but um, I think this new allocation of funding is going to allow us to do some some pretty I w- unreal I really things. Wanted a I my vote was for a carousel out in front of the uh, Ooh, a carousel uh, corner there, and then I just recently watched uh, this weekend. We I watched uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, if you've seen that, that's the story of uh, the author of Mary Poppins and mm-hmm. how Disney had to woo, woo the rights, I guess, from her. And uh, well, he took her on one ride in Disneyland, and it was the carousel, you know, and and a local carousel here on the corner, uh, maybe fashioned from uh, sculptors that make their make the horses here in Ogden. I think would be so cool to just have like this carousel on the corner. But that's my vote, but I, I probably got outvoted for like a bronze statue or something. Yeah, and it yeah. won't. It, well, I shouldn't say it won't be a bronze statue, but it won't be a boring bronze statue. Okay. And I, I, I would say let's not rule out the carousel idea yet. Maybe, right on, maybe yeah. some Yetis. On there. <laughs> we, I, I'm told, I, I would ride on the back of a Yeti <laughs> all day, all day long. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I think that's a brilliant idea. Well, thank you so much for taking some time for us. I have a feeling this will not be the last conversation. Um, we we may have missed a little information in there. And I have a feeling there's probably more things happening in this area that we didn't even touch on. 
But this is a good place to start. This is a great place to start. Thank Thanks you. for taking the time. Thank you for your support. Um, we appreciate that, Brandon. How much do we appreciate that? Uh, more than you know, more than I can express. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for your support of the Banyan Collective of this program, everything else that we do. Have a good night, sir. Thank you all. I put a bow on it. That is a wrap for episode 22 of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast, produced by the Banyan Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. Do not miss an episode of the Banyan Collective's Nine Rails Arts Podcast as we explore what it means to be an adventurous creative here in 2020. Hear the stories of Ogden's new Nine Rails Creative District, including those of the district's epicenter and home of artisans, designers, and creatives, which is the Monarch Building. Follow the Nine Rails Arts Podcast on Facebook, also on Instagram at the number nine for Nine Rails. For more from the Banyan Collective, simply search the Banyan Collective on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. This week, we'll leave you with a little something from our van sessions as recorded live during Ogden's first Friday art stroll here at the Monarch Building in the heart of the Nine Rails Arts District. This is Vincent Draper and the Coles.
Nice. Thank you. Vincent Draper and the Coles right here on Van Sessions live at the Monarch on Ogden's first Friday.